do. What's happening in the news today? Uh, hey, everybody, you hear about those that 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 impeachment trial? Uh, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we we, like... we we got you know Black Friday's on the way. Some door oh, crashers. Yeah. Okay, here's 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 something. Here's something. I feel like I've all never... of this needs to be left in. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. Um, I've never been to IKEA. What? Yeah, it's been fun. It's been funny watching people watching people's uh, reaction to that. It's like I'm going to IKEA this weekend for the first time, uh, which is um, we've we've had IKEA for like now what now a year. Uh oh no no no! Surely it's been longer than that. I think around two years now. Okay, well it was a big thing when we finally got an IKEA over here, when and uh, um, I have yet I have yet to I have yet to go there, and yeah. now we're finally and... finally gonna be checking it out. I'm gonna get me some of those meatballs. Yeah, that I've meatball- heard so much about the meatballs are definitely a highlight. And if you're on if you're on the cheap, it was 2017. Yeah, two years ago, September 2017. Um. Meatballs, meatballs are a highlight, and if you're if you're really trying to, you know, I often have said the most fun you can have for under a dollar is an IKEA hot dog, which is seventy five cents. No way! Wow, yeah. is it like is it any good? I mean, you are getting what you paid for. <laughs> not a uh, not a ringing endorsement. But I mean, it is. It's pretty hard to be mad at anything that's seventy five cents. That's fair. Well, and I'll uh, I'll let I'll uh, I'll let you know. I might have to record the next podcast from there in case I get lost. I uh, my my uh, partner at the time when that IKEA opened um, was a big fan, uh, and we went to IKEA to contrast you your life and my life. Uh, we went to IKEA five times that week. Nice! So wow! I am a I am a uh, IKEA veteran at this point. I got the whole strat. You got to start with the top floor. Make your way around. It takes about, you know, if you do the whole thing, if you're moving slowly, it can vary from, you know, if you're sprinting 20 minutes to 45 minutes. Um, then you've worked up an appetite, and then you stop at the the canteen, and then you make your way to the bottom floor, and then it's time to buy stuff. And that's kind of how, that's the the IKEA strat when you're on your way to pick up a Gutentagen or a Schlangenkleiben. Well, this has been hyped up to me for years, so it better deliver. Like it better be good. I mean, I mean, Will, it's it's. I, I hate to say this, but it's it's simply cheap furniture. I mean, there's not gonna be there's not gonna be much else to uh, to look. But I wonder if there's gonna be anything. You might be going a little bit early. I mean, Black Friday is on its way. Well, I mean, yeah, it's this week. Oh, so you're gonna go for Black Friday specifically? Well, right after like the crowds, we're gonna go on a Sunday. Uh, 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 I see, I see. Are you not a Black Friday crowd kind of guy? You're not a lineup? No, I'm not a crowd guy in the best of times. I bought this this old, old laptop, which I probably need to get a new laptop before this one breaks, because then there not only will be no pod, but no work being done by myself. Anyway, yeah. this the, podca- the, the laptop I am currently talking to was purchased during a Black Friday sale mm. uh, in like 2014 or 2015 or something. I had to stand outside in front of a Best Buy at 4 a.m. to purchase the laptop that I'm currently talking to. Wow. I don't know too many people who, like, actually do that. It's kind of a, I used to... Did you used to do, like, midnight releases for games? I kind of miss that sometimes. No, That's, like, exciting. I, I never have. I've never really? done a mid, I've never done a midnight release for anything but a movie. Wow. I used to do the midnight releases for games, like, all the time. Um... 
What was oh yeah no I used to do that constantly I did midnight releases for games I guess the last time I did it would have been um, when like the PS4 came out I think I did a midnight release for that okay uh, but yeah and I and I I have done movies as well I think I did a midnight release for the Force Awakens okay yeah I did mine for the Dark Knight oh that's a good one it's a good movie so I mean I'm I I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a late adopter. Like that's just part of my personality now is that I adopt things very late. So I am not the type of person this to uh, do a midnight release, anything. It's going to be 2021. You're going to be like, Lucas, I've heard about this guy named baby Yoda. I really think you should check him out. I really thought you were going <laughs> to, you were going to mention a rapper. And like, that is that basically I find out about rappers and art and like singers of just like, Hey, have you guys heard of poppy? Like oh my goodness. poppy, poppy is already again, poppy. Yeah. Now, okay, that makes sense actually with the the kind of timeline you put forward in terms of like, uh, yeah, everything a little bit, a little bit. Late. Uh, Poppy, Poppy is is it's kind of you. Do you know about Poppy now because of wrestling? Is that why you know about Poppy now? Yes, this is the most I've known about Poppy. I was kind of aware of her when she was on YouTube, but still a little late to that party. So soon, like Blueface Baby is going to be doing the NXT theme, and that's how you're going to hear of him. A hundred percent. That's exactly how that goes. Or, or duh, baby. There's also duh, duh, ba- duh baby sounds familiar. I think there's, I'm aware that that person exists. So there's blueface. There's there's blueface. Okay, yeah. and and he calls himself blueface baby sometimes. And then there's duh baby, and then there's little baby. Um, and and little baby uh uh has a really really good ad lib. You're familiar with hip hop ad libs, of course, right? Yeah, and uh, um, Lil Baby has one of my favorite of all time where he goes, wah, 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 bitch, I'm Lil Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, there's babies in this episode of Arthur we talk about today. Let's start right here on uh, the episodic Arthur podcast. It's uh, Elwood City Limits. Uh, this is Will Young here, and that's Lucas Mancini. Hey, hello. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, somebody who we have to wish a happy birthday to this week. Ooh, we're actually we're actually, want a, a Sagittarius friend. We're actually a little late, and by the time this show comes out, we'll be very late. But uh, everybody, wish a happy birthday to Mark Brown. Wow, Mark Brown's a Sag. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So, so he he is uh, his birthday is on the twenty fifth of November, and this year he is seventy three years old. Oh my goodness, I didn't know he was so old. I thought he was younger. Well. Thanks to thank you, Mark Brown, for Still do- without without him there'd be none of this. Exactly, got to put that right out front so that we can pay respect where it's due. Hey, speaking of uh, paying respect where it's due, uh, I would like to uh, very quickly here acknowledge that this podcast is uh, helped greatly by our patrons, and I uh, want to uh, do a little bit of a roll call and see if you can spot the new name among our patrons. We have Aaron DeFilippo and Alex. We have Caitlin Harrington, Chandler LaFave Boten, Christine Wong, Sierra S, Crescent Fresh, Dan, Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong, John Griswold, Kat, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Michaela Gibson, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Stella Teresa, and William. Thanks, everybody. Uh, this show is uh, made even better. Thanks to listeners like you. 
Was it William? Was William the new name? No, William's been here for a little while now. Oh, William... Sorry, the disrespect to William. No, our new one is actually uh, one of our emails this week over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That would be Rachel. Oh, wow. Well, Rachel, I'm excited to hear from Rachel. Rachel uh, left us uh, uh, a very detailed one, and it's... I'm really I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this. This is a really ooh, good read. Ooh. Well, before we break into that, I just want to yeah. say uh, it just occurred to me that we should have made the intro about the Cybertruck, but that's okay. We'll save that for a future episode. <laughs> I, do, uh, I, I don't have much to say about the Cybertruck, so if you have any thoughts, you're welcome to give them. I mean, it looks like the Warthog from Halo, and it was really, really funny yeah. when the windows broke. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. I... I guess it looks a little bit like the Warthog. It could look more like the Warthog. Here, you know what I'm saying? Here's here's my here's my thoughts on the Cybertruck. It really, uh-huh. really, truly does look stupid. But that being said, that being said, if I saw someone in, let's say, on Spring Garden Road in Halifax, I probably would freak out, <laughs> and I would probably turn to whoever I was with. Kind of like that tweet about Chappie where the guy turns to his date and says, that's Chappie when Chappie shows up in the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, if I saw the Cybertruck on Spring Garden Road, I'd probably be like, hey, that's the Cybertruck. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, I, and you know what? I can picture you specifically like freaking out about it upon seeing it. And that's like a like actually freaking like bugging, <laughs> like geeking about it. Also, if I had a Cybertruck, I would only listen to the Halo soundtrack. Like, I'd be rolling around and be like... So it's probably good it, for the best that I don't have one. You kind of have to at that point, for sure. I, I That, I completely understand. Although, I mean, again, the difference with the Warthog is that it was kind of an open concept vehicle. So you, you, could, throw, you could throw a brick through the Warthog way easier than you could through the Cybertruck. <laughs> that... Speaking of throwing a brick into that show, this kind of ruined our transition into the emails. The emails! <laughs> ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Rachel, our new patron, sent us a lovely email. So let's get to that first. Uh, this says, Hey guys, I'm Rachel, lifelong Arthur fan and a new listener. I've been bouncing back and forth in your podcast for a few weeks now, taking the opportunity to revisit old favorite episodes so I can see them with new eyes before getting your opinion. I was delighted to discover that the show is funnier and better written to me now as a 23 year old than it ever was before. Thank goodness. I I thought he was, she was going to say, I discovered that the old episodes of Elwood city limits are far funnier than the new ones. (laughs) That's such that, that would be the ultimate backhanded compliment. Uh, Some episodes that I merely liked as a child have become some of my favorites. I finally got around to writing you after rewatching and listening to the podcast on the scare your pants off club, which uh, is a very good season one episode among many. Despite Lucas's comment that book challenges were a late 90s phenomenon, something hilariously similar to the episode's events went down in my last two years of high school, a good 15 years after that episode aired. While supposedly not aimed at bands, a gaggle of parents raised a huge stink over inappropriate books assigned to my school's AP English classes. The campaign was spearheaded by a notoriously conservative mom from my neighborhood, let's call her Betty, who sent out a mass email containing cherry-picked book passages that she deemed grotesque, mostly violent or sexual imagery, while admitting she had not actually read the books in full. The parents complained that they weren't consulted before their children were assigned this material, again, their 16- to 18-year-old children in ostensibly college-level classes. Keep in mind that the school already offered alternative books for kids 
kids who didn't feel comfortable with the primary curriculum. Our teachers were pissed, along with most of their students. Since my district is actually pretty liberal, they discussed it openly in class. I remember my, sitting in my mom's car. She chatted with Betty, who proudly stated that, and I quote, no matter what the school says, my kids are not reading those books. Her, her precious son was in my class. I knew for one that he watched Game of Thrones, Cormac McCarthy's The Road, and Toni Morrison's Beloved were not going to break his fragile mind. <laughs> in the end, the parents were thankfully unsuccessful. In college, I organized a banned books book a banned books week event in opposition to that kind of censorship. So really, they were just influential, just not in the way they wanted. I love that the episode addressed how parents infantilize their own children and assume that anything they don't understand, often without attempting to, is harmful. Muffy secretly being an enthusiastic fan of the books was also more than a great twist. It was a searing indictment of parents who self-righteously demand authority over other children while failing to monitor their own. Finally, I found it interesting that Muffy didn't even know her father demanded a ban of the books. She was as shocked as her friends during the announcement and didn't seem in favor until it became an us versus them situation. That, not to mention Mr. Crosswire's snide self-promotion during his speech, drove the point home that these sorts of campaigns are rarely actually about the children, merely the personal interests of the parents, in our case, asserting dominance over the public school system. Wow, that's a that that's a that's a more loaded episode than I think we probably gave it credit for back then. No, yeah, and I mean, and I echo uh, uh, no surprise here. I echo all those sentiments. You know, as the the son of a, a librarian, we've had much discussion about the um, uh, sort of the importance of the classic, you know, banned books, nineteen eighty four, and 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 Mark Twain, and all of that kind of stuff, and and especially like the fact that they highlighted Beloved by Toni Morrison, and uh, didn't Toni Morrison just recently pass away? Um, and so that puts a a, a real kind of Spotlight on on uh, the importance of, of kind of the freedom of speech and, and certain things and, and, and being able to expose yourself to different ways of thinking and such like that. And, and I'm completely in agreement. What a great email. Well, it's not over yet. In fact, oh, this, ne- this next little section gets a little serious. To bring up another years old episode, thank you for your well wishes to the people of Charlottesville, Virginia, back in August of 2017. Do you remember that? Do you remember that one when oh that just freshly happened? I, 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 unfortunately, I, I mean, I, I, I do, but I, I didn't remember that we addressed it on the pod. That was a very unha- un, unhappy time. We did. I remember I was, I was very fired up about it at the time. Uh, Rachel continues, I was living in Charlottesville during that time. I was not expecting its mention while surfing through episodes, so it literally stopped me in my tracks. Sometimes it's still surreal that a place so personal to me was ground zero for an event with that kind of worldwide notoriety. Nevertheless, I appreciated the words. My emotions surrounding Charlottesville are the primary reason I have yet to rewatch April 9th or listen to your take on it. But if I ever feel comfortable delving into that topic in depth, I'm sure I could produce another essay-length email. Few shows discuss the many different kinds of trauma that occurred during and after a horrible event and the repercussions felt in the community long after the news cameras leave well rachel i hope that you're able to get there at some point but if not uh it'll be there for a long time it'll be there whenever you're ready also can't wait for you guys to get to bleep so glad i have begun watching the sopranos before rediscovering that episode want some ore that's from that's from rachel yeah that was a very good email. Not that we are get in get in the habit of ranking emails or anything like that. But uh, thank you, Rachel. That was very a very interesting read for sure. 
And speaking of interesting emails, we have another one here from Viv, a.k.a. Arthur and Buster BFFL, former guest of the show. Uh, hello, Will and Lucas. Long time, no right read. I've been very busy with NaNoWriMo, or I guess that would be NaNoWriMo, National November Writing Month, and missed my chance to send you an email for you guys to read during your talk about the Desk Wars episode. All right. Uh, so she, Viv's got something to say to you, Lucas. Oh, okay. Well, bring it, bring it on, I suppose. First things first, I don't understand why you, Lucas, don't like Imagine Dragons. <laughs> okay, yes, continue. I respect your opinion, but I also disagree. They may not write their songs, but they are awesome, including the awesomeness of my favorite song, Natural. It gives more life to my soul with its beat, music, and lyrics, and it can be interpreted differently uh, than one way, such as the lyric video and the music video. Uh, so that's my. So that is my uh, argument. Listen, uh, listen, listen. My my issue with Imagine Dragons is not that they don't write their own music. I am someone who listens to Drake, so I'm. Oh, I I I, <laughs> I have already you know sort of uh, resigned myself to not have take issue with people not writing their own mission music. And I will say this. I will say this. You know, am I a fan of Imagine Dragons? Still no. Probably, hmm. and, and if you're gonna, you're probably not gonna catch me, you know, listening to an Imagine Dragons album anytime soon. That being said, I think it w- it would be, I would be lying to myself if I was to say that Thunder is not a good song. Oh yeah, you're in, you're into Thunder. I think Thunder's a, li- it's pretty catchy. It's I, catchy. It's, it, it is it catchy. Is, I'll it give is, you that. I will say this about Thunder: if it's to show up in an animated movie trailer, or if it's on the radio. I will not change the channel. I will not, you know, press skip on the YouTube video. Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. That's that's that. Those are my that's my my coldest Imagine Dragons take uh, possible. <laughs> I don't have any strong feelings about Imagine Dragons. If they're, they're successful, so uh, good on them. It's just funny how. Uh, uh, especially, especially with uh, mainstream rock bands, how opinion can change on them. And to, not to say opinion, I, I mean they're an incredibly popular band. The, so. the official band of the Game Awards. <laughs> Are they still? Uh, I don't know. I just remember they. I feel like they've played every single Game Awards. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had a. They, well, this this is I, I I've realized this is more. Um, controversial than I thought it would be. I really like the performance they did a few years ago. I forget what award show it was, but it was them and Kendrick Lamar. Oh yeah. I think we've talked about that performance. We, on we, this, you know what? This show we, we have. So, uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things that they've done. You may agree or disagree as we have before. All right, let's move on here. Second things. I recently watched a video about the Us movie scenario that inspired myself to wonder this thought. What would the Reed family's clones have as weapons and what weapon would you think the clones of the reed family would use uh i believe that arthur's shadow would use arthur's sword that was shown in that carnival episode uh and that bedroom cleaning one that's not bad i like that so have you seen us lucas i have not seen us actually oh i've heard very mixed things about it um it's one of those movies that i really i've i i loved um get out obviously so i've been meaning to see it for a really long time but i never i've never seen it it's worth. It's definitely worth watching at least once. Um, my feelings on it are mixed as well. So I will say, I have to do a little bit of on the spot thinking well, so here. So I think I think Arthur would use a book like Jason Bourne 
when Jason Bourne like fights people with a book. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so that's that's what I think Arthur would use. Obviously, I think Arthur's dad would use some sort of kitchen appliance, cooking um, implement. Possibly, yeah, possibly like that blowtorch you used to make like a creme brulee, you know, to get a sear on the top or whatever. Okay. Um, I think Jane, uh, Arthur's mom could use like a keyboard because she has that like accounting job yeah, or whatever she, it is. She she would just use you know. She would just make you economically destitute, and that's the scariest weapon of all. Uh, <laughs> you know, making tax loopholes for billionaires. That's how she would. That's her terrifying instrument of pain. Um, and DW, uh, well, DW. Oh man, DW's got so many tools to to use. You know, she could. Um, did she ever have a blankie? Didn't she have a blankie or something? Yes. Yep. Yeah. She so she could stuff you, choke you to death with the blankie. No, oh my god. You know, she could just annoy you to death with the whistle. There's um, a lot to choose from. If Toadie was poisonous, she could make you lick <laughs> to- Toadie. The upside, the, the shadow version of Toadie. I do like the the pull of the uh, the Excalibur that Arthur somehow got to keep from that uh, from that medieval fair. Uh, next about the postcards from Lucas podcast episode, the postcards from Buster episode. Uh, Dr. Taylor Vega sounds like a chalk walk artist version of Mr. Rogers. Don't you think? I don't know. D- Dr. Taylor Vega had a bit more of a chaotic energy to him than Mr. Rogers did. Yes, most certainly, but for all, but a good, in a good way. Uh, I continue to be a huge Dr. De La Vega fan. Uh, and this episode reminded me of when I recently went to New York City for the first time a few months ago to see a Broadway musical that was going to end at the end of March. I will leave you guessing as to what that might be. And to me, New York City was like I was in a cyberpunk movie or novel. It was pretty and bright and filthy and crowded. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of felt the same way when I went to, and this, I mean, even less big Toronto. Like I'm just have the, I'm so used to our size of city here in Atlantic Canada. And now, then I go to Toronto, now, now Wilt, and it, like, Toronto is breaks that, my brain. Toronto's not that much less big. It's the third biggest city in North America. I'm pretty sure. It's still in all. It's just yes. like, I don't, I don't necessarily think of it next to, you know, the hustle and bustle of New York city, but it was so friggin' big that it like, it kind of broke me a little bit. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I've been, uh, I'm a little bit of a city city mouse, I suppose. So I, I uh, uh, that I oh, kind of I kind of thrive in that environment, even when it's it's super massive. Like I this year alone, I went to you know Calgary for work, and then or before that, I was in Chicago for for pleasure, and I've been to like Seattle and and New York and Boston, all those places. So I've kind of gotten over the uh, you know. I try to avoid looking up all the time when I go to those places because I don't want to be that obvious of a tourist. I probably sh- sh- still am. Uh, mm. People probably look at me and they're like, okay, that guy's not from around here. But I still I try to do my best to hide it. Um, <laughs> uh, but that being said, I definitely like – I remember uh, my friend Josh, uh, a friend of the show, Josh Owen. He's got a, a new T-shirt yeah. design coming, by the way. He, I, I Remind me to send you those – uh, the the test design will it's really cool. Uh, but friend of the show Josh Owen, I remember I was with him the first time he was ever out of Canada when we went to Boston for PAX that one year. Yeah, uh, and he was blown away by how like tall the buildings were and everything. I he he was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, so I definitely understand that mentality. Uh, and then finally about desk wars, uh, Viv loved the glue desks, uh, little thing that we were talking about your glue desk, Lucas. Yes. Hashtag glue desk. It's a new movement. It's the new challenge. 
Uh, I forgot about the foreshadowing of Mr. Ratburn teaching the class about World War II, which is interesting that creators use that. It reminds me of the movie Jojo Rabbit that is out in theaters uh, that I want to go see sometime. Are you guys going to see it? So, Lucas, that's the new Taika Waititi film. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely think I'm going to see it. I'm not sure if I'm going to rush out to see it in theaters, but uh, mm. I, I definitely am interested in it. Um, yeah, I... I I keep hearing like effusive praise for it, so I feel like at some point I probably will. But there, are, man, oh, oh. So you want to talk about movies that I need to see, but I just I'm oh, yeah. letting it go too long. Uh, it's um, the Lighthouse and I, Parasite. The, the Lighthouse. You took the words out of my mouth. It hasn't been like a stupendous year for movies, but in terms of like. Movies I, I simply must see. The Lighthouse and Parasite are, like, at the top of my list. Like, I, I, I am dying to see both of those movies. So am I. And, and I just cannot find the time. I think Star Wars is coming out in a couple of weeks, too. Yeah, but that's e- like that's easy. It's I just know. like, I, I, I like every, every week that goes by, I'm like, Parasite could just leave. Like, it could just be gone. <laughs> and it'd be my fault. Like, that's The Lighthouse, point. too. Like it's it, they just don't have the coverage that a Star Wars is going to. Yeah, have. I don't even know if the lighthouse is still playing around here. I know, I don't. Oh, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. It's over. Uh, and I recently discovered something awesome when I was doing research for my story, and I've decided to wait until you talk the Seeking Stanley episode. I was looking for the Spanish translation of the word windmill for a last name, and I discovered the translation is Molino. And I was like, huh, that sounds familiar, such as the Molinas, the Reed's neighbors. And it turns out the English translation of their last name is Mill, meaning that their descendants had worked and owned a mill long ago when their last name was first originated. So an observation there from Viv. The deep Molina lore. And we get a little bit of the Molinas in uh, this episode. Oh, we sure do. And... Oh, oh dear. It's time to talk about the episode. Thank you, Viv and Rachel, for your emails. You can always send us an email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. But I guess at some point, we got to start talking about this episode. So, it unfortunately starts with Muffy's art attack. Wow. We usually, oh my goodness, I just peaked the microphone so bad that's not going to sound good. Okay. Wow. Usually, we'll. Uh, you know, we kind of save final judgments to the end of the episode, but we're already kind of coloring. I know. I'm tipping my hat. I apologize the, the if that's going to color, if that's going to color anything for anybody. But well, let's talk about it. So the episode um, begins with Muffy playing with her Polly Locket dolls. One of them, and she's playing it with with them. In did she also create this living space for them, or is this a playset? Uh, no, I think she built Mod. Is it Mod Polly Locket? Like she's like, yeah, it's, it's mo- like, Mod po- Mod Polly. Yeah, she's British, like sixties themed Polly. Groovy baby. Yeah, exactly. Groovy baby. Muffy made us a space baby, making me feel randy. Ugh, ugh. Please no. This is a this is a, this is a non horny podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dog Island said so. <laughs> Shagadelic baby. Okay. Stop that. I'm sorry. Stop I'm it. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, it's Mod Polly with like Hawaiian like be, like beach Polly or something. That's right. And Mod Polly and... already being classist, making fun of, telling Beach Polly that her home, her her 
her beachside trailer is is dirty and cheap looking. Yeah, and uh, Muffy has an idea for yeah, because it's like Beach Polly has like this kind of floral print trailer, and then Muffy wants to create a beach house for her, and she starts actually making designs uh, when Ed Crosswire calls her to go to an art opening. Uh, and she, the end of the cold open is her swearing that she'll make Polly that beach house. It's not the most compelling cold open that I've seen in eight seasons of Arthur. Let me tell you a little, a couple things about this. Uh, first of yeah. all, Mr. Uh, Crosswire has a good line where he says a little high culture, never hurt anyone. Um, and also he talks about how he's like, art's a great investment. Yeah, and that exactly. just, re- that just reminds me of the part in, in that Jay-Z song where he's like, you know it's better. Uh, <laughs> you know it's better than. Uh, no, 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 not that one. Not that one. It's it's a uh, a uh, uh, Dumbo. The yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's in, it's in the story of OJ when he's like, I bought some art that's worth two million, and now it's worth eight million. Like that that part. Uh, I could have I could have bought a flattened Dumbo before it was Dumbo. Exactly. You know how that makes me feel? Dumbo. Dumbo makes me feel Dumbo. I like the story of OJ. I, I, li- oh, I like that oh, song. That whole album is fantastic. Anyway. So cold open ends, and now we are at the art show. And there is one thing I, I really like about this is the way when Arthur has the opportunity to incorporate something real because it's educational for yes. both of us. I had I was not familiar with the work of one. Oh, geez, what's his name? Uh, Arthur Ganson is yes, his name. Yes, I was not familiar with Arthur Ganson, but I looked him up on Wikipedia, uh, and it's pretty interesting stuff. You know, I like art. Will I like going to an art museum? I was like, this is pretty cool. Sure, so do I. And this is really, this is the kind of art that really can take a kid's imagination. It's, um, he is, so Arthur Ganson is a real life kinetic sculptor. And as you see in this episode, it's a lot of, um, machines and sculptures that kind of move on their own and are like self-perpetuating. So there's like all these machines, like one of them oils itself. There's another one that picks up a chair and puts it back down. It's really cool. And like, these are all based off of his real life work. Arthur Ganson, like a former artist in residence at MIT. He's had a really decorated career and some of his sculptures, even in cartoon form are really interesting. But, uh, of course, Muffy is – Muffy keeps, like, conveniently missing whenever they do something cool. So – and she, uh, so she's completely bored by being there. I do like that one point, you know, her dad's trying to explain to her something, and she's like, oh, look, cheese, and immediately goes for the food spread. Like, I can respect that. I mean, I, I, that. I watched this episode before I ate supper, and that cheese spread did look pretty impressive. Yeah. All, I mean, you can't say no to a good cheese spread, can you? Th- though Muffy is lamenting the lack of brie. Yeah, <laughs> which fair. I mean, you you need a good brie in that cheese plate. You gotta, especially for an art opening. Like, you gotta know your, you gotta know your arty cheeses here. Uh, so yeah, Muffy's kind of bored with all this. In fact, the uh, the self oiling machine uh splashes her, but she does find uh one of the blue napkins which she thinks she can use for her uh beach house we even get like a cutaway imagination where beach polly is like i want my beach house (laughs) in muffy's voice and at one point in the show when um ed finally finds a an installation that he wants to buy and it's like a a little wishbone uh um what's what's the word like walking walking sure a machine behind it oh yeah and that's 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 again a real sculpture and they actually got arthur ganson himself to voice himself that's his real voice 
And and yeah, so with the authorized version, he is a bear, much like Brain, I assume. Yes. Um, and I like the bald representation. You know, we don't get a lot of bald Arthur characters. Uh, besides, I guess Buffy's dad's bald, but still. Uh, and, 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 a pretty... and of course, and... go on, go on. Oh no, just saying. I, I liked it. I liked the authorized version of him. I think it was, you know, it's sometimes dicey with the authorized version of real people. Sometimes they just kind of look like people with ears. You know, the the worst yeah. example being uh, Matt Damon, probably is the all time <laughs> worst authorization of a of a real person. Um, yeah. But this one was pretty good. I, th- I think the best is Art Garfunkel. I think their version of Art Garfunkel, where they made him a moose, uh, looks just enough like the real person, but also is distinctly an Arthur character. And then yeah. like, the, the, the biggest example of like it done wrong is Matt Damon, who barely looks like an Arthur character at all. Um, I can't wait till we get to Matt Damon on the show. Um, I, I will say it's also always fun to me when they get a... When they get a, a voice actor or a voice on the show who isn't a performer, so they keep their lines very simple. It's just like, talk about your sculpture, and then just like, oh, thank you. And like, just very like, what, it's like, what do you mean? You know, that kind of very, very simple line reads that anybody can do. It's it's charming. I think it's, it's charming. Also, I found it funny that Arthur Ganson would allow his art to be in the show when, like, Muffy's dunking on it constantly. She's like, who, like, just like, look at this, the... Like, look at this muffin. The wish, the wishbone is actually carrying the machine. She's like, "Who cares?" Like, <laughs> just constantly, she's just like, "Who cares?" That sucks. I hate this. <laughs> just like, damn, he's doing your show and everything. Like, can you, can you just let him, <laughs> let him do his stuff here? After that, Muffy gets the idea to do an art opening herself. Um, after seeing kind of the attention for it, but she's not sure exactly what she wants to put in the uh in the art opening and this is where we get the largest speaking role to date of bailey her servant bailey uh also voiced by uh, bruce dinsmore and it, this is a pretty obvious bruce i recognize that almost immediately mm-hmm. uh i feel like i'm a little bit worse than you than noticing like when there's new voices or anything like that or, or seeing people be the same voice but this was almost immediately recognizable as, as bruce dinsmore yeah, uh, it's a good voice though. It's very, it's very uh, posh, and yes. at times, like it, it's it, it's a good range of emotions. Like Bailey really comes across well as a character in this. I, I just, totally like, agree. This is like the most we get out of you know Bailey's kind of just been a patsy uh, yeah. thus far up to this point, and we get a lot of we. I even write down we get some deep Bailey lore in this episode, maybe even deeper and darker than we had ever thought. Um, <laughs> Because he because he offers to help Muffy with her art installations, and uh, you know she creates like this little uh, car out of a soda can. Uh, I believe, and... please call it by its proper name. The piece is called Rolling Can. Thank you very much. Roll, rolling Can, and that also becomes part of a Rube Goldberg device, a very rudimentary device that uh, uh, ends up spraying Muffy with the soda. And it just reminds me because eventually we do get into a lot of Rube Goldberg devices in this. If you ever look up Rube Goldberg devices on YouTube, they are a blast to watch. It's like watching a uh, like really intricate domino uh, contraptions. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a YouTube channel that I follow, and I don't remember which one it is. I tried to search for it, but it's like the most inventive of these types of machines that I've ever seen in my life. And if I and if I can find it, I'll try and link one this week. Uh, on I believe the, the YouTube video the is the first five minutes of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> 
Uh, I can't say. Uh, I haven't. I've yet to see Pee Wee's Big Adventure. What? Oh, before you go see the lighthouse, you gotta see Pee Wee's Big Adventure anyway. If you like Rube yeah. Goldberg's, you'll love the first five minutes. Um, I just want to draw a line in the sand right here now and say that you know there's a lot of hate that Rolling Can gets throughout this episode, um, as you know, kind of sucky. Uh, it doesn't really do its purpose. The can just kind of falls off and then spills every time. Uh, yeah. I just want to come out as a rolling can defender. It's still art, baby. Guess what? Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide what's art and what's not art. And I'm here saying rolling can is art. Sure. If I put I, rolling I, can I, in a museum right now, people be like, that's art. That's art. And especially for an eight-year-old. Exactly. I think the bar for the bar of art for children is very low. I so. think I think you know Muffy doesn't give. I don't think anybody gives Muffy that much credit for rolling can here. Um, obviously, it doesn't you know stand up to Bailey's stuff that he ends up making later on in the episode. But I, I you know I, I think rolling can gets a bad rap. And uh, so Muffy wants to uh, get more. Uh, pieces into the, her art installation here, but she kind of gets distracted with her dollhouse, and then uh, Bailey takes charge, and overnight, Muffy does work on her beach house for her doll, and Bailey, like, gets to work. He's doing, like, acetylene torching and, like, welding and stuff, like, and spray painting and all this kind of thing, and in the morning, uh, Muffy and he meet up, and he's actually created a couple, like, original art pieces. Yeah, and, and so and they're, this, and they're pretty, at, they're at this pretty point, funky. I felt so bad for Bailey. I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh my!" And I only you only start to feel worse as the episode goes on. But he must have been up all night. Yes, in, and it seems that he was because Muffy comes and she's just like, "Oh no, I forgot to do anything else for the uh, for the for the uh, for the show." And then Bailey's like, "Oh, don't worry, I made made a few things." And yeah, Mu- Muffy cool. quite literally says the art show is tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, the proms tomorrow. Yeah, I'd, we we honestly like there. There's a couple of moments in this episode that I was like, "Really, we're really doing that?" And that was one of them. <laughs> Just like, okay, all right, Muffy. Um, yeah, he creates these really interesting pieces that are clearly very personal to him. Like one of them is uh, named Chester. And it like is yeah, involves this, this, this like, is dark. Like this is what I was talking about when I was talking about we take a deep dive on Bailey's psyche is when um, he shows Chester, which is kind of this like this uh, 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 sculpture that, that kind of laughs maniacally. And he Bailey explains that Chester, it's named Chester because that's the name of a child that bullied him in the fourth grade. And it's all very sinister and, and kind of like, oh, Bailey's been through it. So we we fast forward here to the to the to the show and uh as people are going around looking at all the stuff that Bailey did this was my other like we're really doing this we're doing the muffy is lying about taking credit thing again like people are like Francie's asking her like you did all this and she's like uh yeah sure and then it actually—it doesn't even last that long. It's like maybe a minute and a half, and then everybody's like, "You didn't do this." And Muffy's like, "I did rolling can," and then rolling can doesn't even work. It's just, yeah. But what you don't—what what you don't understand there, Will, is that rolling can by not working, it's actually subverting the expectations of the viewer. Mm-hmm. So, wait, wait, the and what makes the can roll, and why does the can roll? You know, these are all things that come into question upon viewing Rolling Can. 
I say. Well, it seems to be lost on uh, on her friends who ditched the show. And uh, th- there's a funny moment where um, uh, I-, I forget which one Ratburn's commenting on. It might have been Chester. No, no, it's it's and- like the giant like snake creature. Oh thing. yeah, the snake dragon thing. And I forget what Ratburn says, but Bailey just quietly goes Philistine and yeah. like, denies him any, any hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> I, I think Mr. Ratburn goes, he goes, I don't like this one. It's sinister. Yeah. And then Bailey's yeah. like Philistine. And then we see that Arthur Ganson has also come to the art opening and he praises Bailey's work. And Bailey is very, very excited that, Arth- that Arthur Ganson liked one of his sculptures. And what also catches Mr. Ganson's eye is Muffy's Beach House, which he says is... It is is actually very close to artwork itself, and in fact, it is art. And which Muffy kind of is like, really, it is. And Ganson offers to put it in a show that he's doing about dolls. This got me thinking about like, what if, uh, you know, what if Muffy grows up to be the mom from Hereditary? <laughs> oh, oh no! Even I wouldn't want that for Muffy. <laughs> that- what a terrible fate. But yeah, she's just like painting painting uh, doll dioramas. She has that like that weird eye scope thing and she's just painting tiny figures. Yeah, I could see that for Muffy. Maybe. I mean, she I mean, this this does take a degree of talent. So, I do like that we are learning just a tiny bit more about what Muffy can do as opposed to what she can't. <laughs> we're we're not just entirely dogging on her even though we somehow can't have an episode where we don't. Um so, yeah, her dollhouse is going to not her dollhouse, her kind of beach house is going to be put in a show uh curated by Arthur Ganson. And the episode, believe it or not, I can't believe we're already there. The episode ends with uh, the the polylockets talking to each other as if they're real, and just like uh, it's like I wonder when Muffy is gonna make me something else. I was, I was <laughs> checked at this point, just like oh, don't worry, she will <laughs> wink. And then it turns out the real art was the dollhouses we made along the way. I mean, I I know we need to do a word from us because the thing that happens next, if I was drinking uh, liquid when I was watching this episode, uh, it would be all over my monitor. Uh, are, are you are you talking about this the second half of the episode? Oh, but yeah, because the video that we watched, I was expecting a word from us kids. And yes. it's a smash cut from that wig to the next segment, and I almost I almost jumped out of my seat. All right, so there's your tease, everybody. Join us after the break here, and we'll be talking about Tales from the Crib. Support for Elwood City Limits is really easy. First of all, you can visit us and follow us on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, you can follow us at ECL Podcast. We're also on Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. You can also go to our Instagram, Elwood City Limits. Follow us over there, too. You can also contribute to us on a monthly basis over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We have corresponding rewards for when we hit certain levels of patronage. So please, if you feel like you would like to donate financially to us, you're under no obligation to. But if you want to, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Also, if you want to have a little bit of ECL on your person, go to teespring.com slash store 
Wars slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. Make a little rhyme out of it. <laughs> you can go over there and get a t-shirt, a hoodie, or a tank top with the Elwood City Limits logo on it. And we've got even more designs coming in real soon. So make sure to check back there. Finally, share this podcast with a friend who likes animation, who likes Arthur, or who just likes having fun. Sharing us on social media, sharing us with people you know, and sending in your emails to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. All our fantastic ways to support us. And we thank you very much very much. Now, let's get back to the show. So Lucas, you mean to tell me that you were you were I was settling in. Spit, I was spit. like I was like, okay, so it's word from us kids that that's one episode in the books coming on to the next episode and what what happens? What do we smash cut to? It's Baby Cribs. It's MTV Cribs baby. Baby cribs with a Z, yeah and the, so everything about that you know you want to talk about how that that first the first uh, uh episode had kind of one of the most underwhelming cold opens of any arthur episode this is yes. like a top three cold open this is a cold top open. three this is a cold open like we've never seen before okay in terms of like it is animated and edited in a way that is completely unlike any like Arthur sequence we have seen just thus far. Like even, have you ever heard the phrase? You know, the clip is loud on mute. I'm watching the episode right yes. now on on mute, and it's like this editing and like the where they decide to in quotations place the camera in terms of like having that kind of off kilter angles and like the digital zooms and like the way the camera moves. It's all nuts. Like, this is all so crazy. Like, you could tell how much fun this was to put together. So, first of all, do younger people who listen to the show know what Cribs was? I feel like Cribs is definitely, like, not around anymore. No, it's... I don't think so. So, I, I wonder, like, if anybody was watching this who is younger than us, who is watching this... um to you know catch up with the with the show before watching it like do you know what this is like do you know what this is parodying i mean even when i was a little kid like when i was a little kid i was less familiar with actual cribs than i was like parodies of cribs like par- cribs got parodied all the time it was yeah. one of those things like kind of similar to the matrix where like i only saw the matrix like way after it was originally popular and i'd already kind of absorbed all of it f- through cultural osmosis because it was parodied like everywhere non-stop right Cribs. Oh, it's, it's still it's still it still kind of is yeah and so like cribs was very similar to that where like i knew i'd probably never seen an actual episode of cribs when i was a kid but i knew exactly like the cadence and the attitude and the like, vibe the vibe yeah. this is the bedroom this is where the magic happens come check out where it's in my fridge um like i could like sight unseen completely like parody a cribs episode without ever actually having seen a cribs episode yeah i know exactly what you mean i don't th- i i think i'm kind of in the same boat like i've never seen a full episode of cribs but i've seen enough of it to be like yeah you know you kind of know what the vibe is it's a very uh early 2000s very in your face kind of like mtv style vibe and this you're absolutely right it it immediately 
there, there's a lot of wild camera angles and zooms going on here that ma- want to match the energy of the original, and it's so different than what we see on Arthur. It immediately captures your attention. Also, keep in mind, the, the, I, I, we haven't even described what's happening, just kind of how crazy it's all shot and looks. This is babies describing their cribs. Yes, and sp- specifically Visita. The DW is the host. She's got the big mic, and they're like doing the zoom in. She's like, "Let's go to let's go to three year old Vizita Molina's crib," and she's just like, "Man, check out this hardwood, Sol- second to none." And no crib is complete without toys. Like just just goes to a montage of all the toys she has. It's really it's cute. Like it's a really fun uh, idea. Especially, especially for the episode that it that it uh, turns out to be about. But yeah, it's a re- and it's a really lively way. It, it trust me, it was a really good way to get me into the second part of this episode for sure. Now I am uh, yeah, a little bit yeah. I am a little bit disappointed with a name like Tales from the Crib that it's not like an anthology horror episode, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, unfortunately. Um, so in this episode, Visita, it's a DW and Visita episode. They're playing together and in going to get another doll, they find out that Visita is getting a big girl bed and her crib is being taken away, which she reacts very poorly to. But DW, once again, in the elder stateswoman role for Visita, like kind of her, even though she's only a year older, just like, I've been around the block, kid. Let me tell you about it. Uh, saying that, you know, when... DW moved from her crib to her bed. It was a big uh, adjustment. And that's kind of the entire episode is DW telling the story of when she went to a big girl bed. And we get a lot of, well, okay, so I guess this is toddler DW. Like, I was going to guess she was three here. Two, maybe three. Well, because what is she now? Like, four? She's four. It could just be, like, a year ago. (laughs) Well, yeah, so... There's a couple things here in here that don't make sense, and they. Ooh, let's get into it. Well, uh, not yet. I, I we will get there at some point, but I just want want you to keep in mind. So, the idea is is that DW is enough of a a toddler, let's say, that she is moving from a crib to a bed. So my guess is she's probably three. Yeah. Because when we start here, we it's you know the episode's largely in flashback. DW is. <laughs> Which th- this I kind of found funny. Toddler DW has the same vocabulary that she does at four, which is like basically an, a tiny adult. Yeah. I, so so she's just kind of always been that smart. I, I like to think that DW came out as a baby talking like DW. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's like it's hard. It's hard to explain, but it's one of those things that I'm willing to go with just because it is very funny. Like DW is like she she's having she's like she's calling. She's calling uh, mom Reed. She's calling her mom. She's not saying mommy or anything like that. Like a real, like a, like my three year old niece does. She's just like, oh no way, mom! I don't want to leave my crib. And I'm like, who is this like young adult speaking? So yeah, DW also when she was being moved to uh, from her crib to a bed was resistant to it. And this is because in this, uh, mom is pregnant with Kate. So Kate is going to be getting the crib and DW is moving into a bed. So Kate's not born yet. It's um, and we know that Kate's first birthday was when DW was four. So DW is probably three, maybe two going on three. There's no but way s- she's two. It's got to be three. 
<laughs> like exactly but it's just like okay like i'm trying to do the math in my head and i'm like oh boy this the it, sometimes being an arthur continuity nerd is really difficult and this is what this is one of the tougher continuity episodes of them all um so they are gonna get her a new bed which dw's really not keen on they go to like the bed store and she kind of poo-poos them all. There's yes. one where... Uh, yeah, the- Arthur's dad says, uh, Look, DW, this one's got monkeys on the headboard. And I just want to say that monkeys on the headboard is my favorite prog rock band. <laughs> and DW says that she hates monkeys, which I thought was interesting. Just a little character thing I didn't know DW hated. She didn't say why. She's just like, I hate monkeys. I'm like, okay. Animal hierarchy, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> gonna say something but yeah uh you fill in the blanks everybody um so they she see this i thought was kind of odd so she sees this really garish bed it's got like um what like it's got like a veil around it and it's all unicorn theme and she's like i want that one and i figured that it would be like okay so she doesn't get what she wants obviously because you know her bed doesn't have like a canopy but then it just goes to back to the reed house it's like i guess they did get her the unicorn bed there's nothing more said about it. Like, it, it's it's just, we never see the unicorn stuff around it. We never see the veil over her bed. We never see those sheets that were on the display model either. It's just... Uh, I don't know if she does get the unicorn bed. I think it's just the... Maybe just seeing that big fancy bed, like, warmed her up to the concept of the bed. Because her bed... Because it smash cuts to her t- talking about the bed to the Tibbles. And her bed looks pretty ordinary. Yeah, I mean, maybe I missed a line there, but it's just like, it seemed to be like, I want that one. And they're like, okay. Like, it just seemed like she got it, Hmm. even though it doesn't look like it. But maybe I missed something. Maybe it came without all the fixings. I don't know. Could be. Um, Did you think that Timmy Timmy and Tommy Tibble looked weird here? Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. They do look weird. So, like, they, again, they're probably around three years old. And they look like completely different kids. Like, their heads look like like a little more squashed or something and they also look taller than they normally yeah and they look taller they look less stout they look skinnier i don't know yeah this is a weird design and it's just like they're supposed to be a year younger than we've seen them but they look like they're eight they look like they're double their age i don't know they and they also don't they they usually have like a wild look about them and this one they just kind of look tired i don't know uh so yeah i don't know why they look like different people but they um they talk about now is this is the story they invent here they're telling dw why uh what happens to kids who don't have cribs yeah yeah exactly yeah so they have this thing that what happens to kids when they go from cribs to beds is that they become prey for arachnar lord of the spider people which points for creativity. It's definitely not a, like, I wonder where that those three-year-olds thought of this again. I, very good vocabulary. I, I've, uh, I've been, uh, because of the Mandalorian, I've been really enjoying the Mandalorian. And so mm. it's been making me, reminding me about when I was a teenager and I was way into the, uh, the, the, the Star Wars EU, uh, and Arachnar is very like Star Wars EU tier of like it could be the Yusan Vong that we're talking about here. <laughs> uh, I know what that is from playing Shadows of the Empire for the N64. They show up in Shadows of the Empire? I think so, yeah. They're at least mentioned. Whoa. 
It's so stupid, Will. I could tell you so much stuff about the <laughs> the, the, the the Star Wars EU that you would shake your dag head at, like Luke and then Luke, and then Luke. Do you know about Luke and Luke? I genuinely don't. So uh, they made a clone of Luke Skywalker, and he is evil, and also has an extra U in his name. Um, and then and then they make another clone of Luke Skywalker, and he's got three U's in his name. Oh, brother, are you serious? I am dead serious. And the Yazoo, oh the God. the Yuzan Vong, you see, they're like orcs, and they're impervious to the Force. Uh, okay. Yeah, so they, you can't use the Force on them. And then right. also the Emperor gets a clone, and he's got three eyes. <laughs> I don't know. This is sounding pretty cool. And then there is... I'm kind of into this. There's an X-Wing pilot that looks like a horse. And, yeah, great. Uh, Excellent. Darth Maul gets spider legs. Darth Maul lives. Well, I, Darth Maul well li- he might... He, well, I mean, spoilers. He, Darth Maul he lives after he gets anyway. his, his legs cut off uh, and goes crazy and also gets spider legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else happens that's really stupid? Uh, numerous things, Will. It's all stupid. Chewie gets crushed <laughs> by a planet. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember that. Uh, also, a planet that's alive is what helps them beat the Yuzan Vong. Is like a living planet. It's, gosh, it's it's really stupid. <laughs> Lucas's guided tour through the through the old Star Wars expanded universe. But I feel like it never. It doesn't quite ever get stupider than Luke. <laughs> That is very stupid, I gotta say. <laughs> and no, that, no, the, the Luke, no offense to anybody who does the Luke the stuff's even in the good books. <laughs> that's, right, like not even, a, that's not even in the bad books. That's in like the yeah, good ones. Yeah, because there's a bunch of crummy ones that are in there. Yeah, like the Timothy the Timothy Zan books are actually like the good ones. The the new gen the ones with the Yuzan Vong are really crappy. There's like a guy who's like the Emperor's like son. And he's got, like, lightsabers coming out of every one of his joints. Like, he's got, like, knee lightsabers and elbow lightsabers. <laughs> he looks really yeah. stupid. What's his name? Iskar Ikman. Wait. Iskar Ikman. Inman. Star Wars. If I type in lightsaber knees expanded universe. Let's see if this comes up. Saber. <laughs> knees. God. That's a, that. I mean, it sounds like they asked their kid, like they asked their kid, what they want to see in in Star Wars. Oh, that's well, kind of. Turns out, yeah, t- terrible. Oh my. Uh, is Irek is Marin. Uh, Will, just do me a favor. Actually, I'll send you the. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the, the 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 the, the Google image. You take a look at Irek is Marin. Oh my God. <laughs> The Star Wars EU, it's a fun time, Will. I'm kind of sad it's all not canon anymore. Because there was a time it was. There was a time oh, where yes. just anybody could be like, yeah, this happens in Star Wars. And they'd be right. Peep the knees on this guy. <laughs> oh, brother, look at this. This is this is the most 90s thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this is dumb. This is dumb as hell. Oh, they are coming. Oh, they're Oh, my God. What function does that serve? That's what I want to know. No, I, I mean, it, like, what's even dumber is that I understand it. It's like if you're going to knee a guy, you might as well do it with a lightsaber. Oh, no, but it's just no, like, no. <laughs> this is wow. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna count my blessings every time I think about the movies I'm not so – the Star Wars movies I'm not so keen on. Cause yeah, that shows it, up in – I think that's like the eighth New Jedi Order, Order book is what that guy shows up in. Okay. There's like 19 <laughs> – most of the bad. <laughs> okay, well, I'll take your word. I'll, I'll I'll take your word for it. My 
God, what did I just see? Anyway, uh, that's all to say that Arachnor, I feel like, would fit in very well in the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Arachnar, which DW breaks the flow of her flashback to tell Visita, who is uh, scared of Arachnar, uh, that it's not real. It's an Irving legend. What's an Irving legend? It's the kind of story your uncle Irving tells. <laughs> it's a kind but of I don't story have... that the oil conglomerates from New Brunswick uh, like to tell you. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the companies that own all the oil, and all the companies that basically run New Brunswick, Canada, uh, are the ones that spread rumors about Arachnar. But Lucas, what happens if you don't have an Uncle Irving? Oh, don't worry. If you live in New Brunswick, we all have an Uncle Irving, and he's watching you. Well, not quite, because Uncle Irving is an Irving legend, too. Oh, no. <laughs> Which, it's this entire circular thing. It's just, I, thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny. So, DW has her first night outside of her crib, and she really loves her new bed. In fact, she's so excited that she can't sleep. So, she gets up that night, she reads all the books, even though she can't read, uh, on her shelf. And then she leaves her room and goes in to, to sleep with mom and dad Reed. So they catch her. She gets out of bed again. She's just really having a hard time sleeping. She's so excited by all the new freedom. So she goes into Arthur's room. She has a little tea party with uh, Stanley and uh, one of her dolls, I think. And, and Arthur's I... money. She takes Arthur's money. <laughs> That's right. And uh, there's also a couple of new music cues here. I always like to... Did you notice that they're, they're using, like, a bit of acoustic guitar, Ooh. a little bit of pan pipe? It sounded it sounded different than what we're used to. I, she's like, would you like more tea, Stanley? And I liked hit her line for him of, oh, no, I don't take sugar. <laughs> and she accidentally knocks over some of Arthur's pencils, and he freaks out. I, I like, loved this. So Arthur's one role in this whole episode is to, like lose it because he thinks there's an intruder in his house. He's just like, <gasps> robbers! Like, he probably just got done watching America's Most Wanted when he wasn't supposed to, and he thinks that, like, everybody is coming to kill him. Yeah, Arthur, way into the castle doctrine. The what? Big into stand-your-ground laws. Arthur's... You know. oh my God, that was not what I meant to say. Arthur's, That's not what I was going for at all. Arthur's, Arthur's got the blicky, so he's ready. He's like, yeah, you, you want to try me? Come break into my house. See what happens. He's got the what? The blicky. What are you, ta- what are you saying to me right he's now? He's packing heat. Arthur's ready to go. You know what I'm saying? He got the community strapped, and so if you coming up into Arthur's <sighs> crib, you better get ready to face the fire. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Just when I think I couldn't feel older. Um, so yeah, Arthur freaks out and, uh, thinks that it's robbers and DW is quickly caught again here. Arthur has glasses before Kate, before Kate is born. Oh, that's a really good point. Well, does does Arthur ever not have glasses at the same time that DW is like conscious though? Like, I feel like when Arthur doesn't have glasses, she's a baby. No, no. The first, mm, Oh, you know what? You're right. Um, he didn't have glasses in the second grade. But, ugh, okay. Ugh, oh, oh, boy. All right. So, okay. Okay, this this actually does kind of make sense because I'm just I'm purely going by the first episode here. The first episode, Arthur's in the second grade. He gets glasses. DW at that point hasn't learned to talk. Yeah. She, like, makes the same noise as Kate. So this could so, still all work. 
work. This could still all okay, work out. Th- th- not all, not all, not all, but this specifically. Like, I'm willing to make concessions here. I didn't think this fully through. The 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 um the Kate thing. I'm still uh, a little 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 ropey on, but this is fu- like this is fine now that I think of it. Does yeah. okay. So is Kate around in that episode though? Do we ever do we ever Ar- see baby no, okay, Kate okay, okay, at okay. the same time of Arthur not having glasses? I mean, this is our jobs. Will if if we don't figure this out, no one will. Okay, okay. To uh to be fair, no, she's not in the flashback part of that episode. So this is probably the time after Arthur got glasses and DW learned to talk before Kate was born. Okay, so I guess that does. The, the, okay, I guess that does fly. Fine. There's something else later that I'm really not certain Ooh, about. Ooh, okay, I'm excited. The the biggest problem I have. Uh, okay, so that 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 answers that. Um, so DW has. Uh, when she, when she's at this age, she really has a problem staying in her bed. Like, m- both mom and dad tell her separately, like, don't. Don't leave your bed. And we have this whole scene uh, later on where DW sneaks downstairs and, like, she keeps doing all of those things that, like, when you're trying to be quiet at night, yes. but you accidentally, like, turn the TV on and you step on a toy and, like, you make all this noise and this, you're like, this, oh, no, they heard me. This didn't remind me of being a little kid. This reminded me of being a degenerate teenager and, and <laughs> sneaking back into the house or not even sneaking, like, being known that I was out late, but just trying not to disturb anybody, but also still like, I could eat some food before I go to bed, but I gotta do it quiet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or I can keep the TV on as long as it's like real low. Real low. Um, and the cl- the the clown uh thing that DW steps on is kind of cute as far as clowns go, but he's got a really he's good. Press the button on my tummy. <laughs> Like it's really like wow, it's yeah. It's, DW tries to put that face. that Mary Mucal VHS skin, and it's like the static. That's pretty nostalgic. That's not something we really have to worry about anymore. Is like accidentally hitting channel on your remote, and then going to channel two, and it just being like a wall of noise. So DW ends up going to the freezer. She's gonna try and get some Choco Chimp, which we've seen before. And pals here. Okay, so yeah, this is my biggest problem with the episode is that yeah, d- mine, mine too. Okay, so this isn't the continuity issue you're referencing earlier, but this is just straight up like cr- this is just like nobody was thinking. Is that DW drops the choco chip and pal eats the choco chip? This is a hospital situation. Like this is like this is going to kill pal if he does not receive immediate veterinary attention. That's what I was going to ask is. It, it, so eating chocolate ice cream is is bad. Like I know chocolate is bad yes, for dogs. Yes, I just wasn't yeah, sure if chocolate ice yeah, cream is bad. Yeah, no, this is gonna kill pal. <laughs> oh dear. So, okay. So Arthur gets pal when he's in the third grade. Which, if we're going by our previous ah, time logic, I see. I see. This is your problem Ar- with this. We should not have pal. Should not be here at this point. Like they didn't have. They didn't have him. So. That 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 really, I was just like, okay, when is this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, Will, you know, based on our previous conversation, I figured out the solution. You see, all of other Arthur is actually, that's called, that's canon, okay? This episode is called Arthur Legends, okay? So it's it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not a part of the canon. This is like Arthur Guy Dead. It's not a part of the canon Arthur universe. It's a little bit of a what-if story, okay? Um, <laughs> like, for instance, you know, what? if arthur had a clone called arthur wouldn't that be crazy 
It would be crazy. Uh, and then there was another yeah, clone so- called Arthur. <laughs> Elwood City Elseworlds over here. <laughs> Um, so DW gets scared. She thinks that pal is Arachnar and then she hides herself in her room and she ends up, what's she trying to do here? Um, uh, oh yeah. She thinks that the braid from her troll doll is Arachnar's like leg or something. And she tries to get away, but her blanket is, is, uh, trapped is like tucked to, uh, tucked into the bed so she can't run away. And Arthur hears her. And again, he thinks that it's robbers. This was actually kind of cute because Arthur, um, as scared, irrationally scared of robbers. He is, he like bursts down the door and like goes to defend his sister. It's actually quite heroic. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, so at this point it's like DW is crouching over the crib with the blanket on her. So Arthur thinks that she's the robber. Uh, but no, just a little miscommunication. And DW finally is able to go to sleep in her bed, but uh, Mom goes to sleep there with her to help her through the night. And this is the end of her story to Visita. And then Visita asks if DW can stay over that night in order to help her with her first night outside of the crib. So DW agrees, and the episode ends with the both of them in bed. DW wakes up and says, I wonder what kind of ice cream they have in their freezer. So, I actually, I did. So really, she, has she like does her like mischievous DW squint, and she's like immediately is going to steal their ice cream. Yeah, uh, and so so it seems her old ways haven't left her that much after all. And that's where we end off. So Lucas, it's time for us to talk about what we thought about the episode. So I want to know what you thought of Muffy's art attack before I talk about how I. Uh, what I think. I'm I'm actually pretty surprised by already kind of figuring out what, like, I don't really feel some type of way about Murphy's art attack, which is kind of interesting because it is a Murphy episode, very Murphy centric, and she is being awful predominantly throughout it, um, which is usually a large point of criticism for us. But I don't know, like, I like seeing the art. I like it when they incorporate real life art. Uh, I Muffy like has a bunch of different outfits in this episode for some reason or another, and that was interesting. Um, uh, I liked getting more character development from Bailey, as dark as it was. Poor Bailey seems like he's had a hard childhood, and he seems to still have a hard life in that he has to like do all of this thankless stuff for Muffy and never really get any credit for it. Um, sure, Muffy was being terrible. Uh, and it was really, really rough to see her kind of do the exact same thing we've seen her do before. They even mentioned it in the episode when Francine references this is the bake sale all over again. And it's just as if Muffy paid and took the credit, um, which is a little bit of going back to the well. Uh, but I don't know. I didn't like I, didn't, I It sounds like I'm like love in this episode right now. And I most certainly did not. But I didn't hate it. I think the same way that you're about to. <laughs> So there were elements of this that I did like, and I think it's important to say that. Like, I really liked how they um, highlighted the artist's work. I thought that was really cool. That's my and favorite he, aspect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, th- I think that his stuff is genuinely very interesting. And I like that this is, again, educational content that can get, get kids interested in that sort of thing without it being super in your face. And I did appreciate that we do see a side of Muffu we don't normally see, which is that she's very constructive she is very good at making things um more so than i think we've ever seen in her character before and my problem wasn't that like oh muffy's lying again it's like it's within her character it's just 
God, this episode was so boring. Oh, like I, I see. I just didn't care. And, and oh, and finally, I should say, um, I, I I liked the deeper characterization of Bailey. I agree with you. I think that they actually ran with that very well, and that was probably my favorite part of the episode. I would I would love to see a Bailey, Bailey episode. I'm sh- I feel like there probably are Bailey episodes way deeper into the show, so that's probably to come. Anyway, just but everything else it was just like I just don't care. Like. We're, we're supposed to follow Muffy through this episode and just like that's already a bit of an ask and then it's just like okay well she doesn't like art and now she's pretending that she made the art that Bailey did and just like it just felt like nothing really mattered it just felt like nothing so this it didn't do anything for me I was bored watching most of it and it uh, I just I just kind of feel like I'm, ne- I'm never gonna watch this episode again it's just like wow this it's not. It's really not that often that an Arthur episode feels as much like filler as this one did. Well, that being said, Will, I'm sure you were rocketed awake by the beginning of the next episode. A little bit, that's for sure. Um, Tales from the Crib, I think, was at least more visually interesting, if nothing else. I did actually like the idea of DW being able to tell a story. I like. I, I th- we mentioned it. In an earlier episode, I like when she is able to be kind of the old, the big sister role to Visita. I think that that's really f- a fun dynamic for her to have, and I liked I liked seeing the glimpses of what the Reed family was like, even just a year or two years ago. And like, I liked the design of younger DW. I thought she was really cute, and uh, yeah, and and then we got to go back to like. Uh, pregnant mom read like she looks a little bit different and everything's just a little bit fresher I guess it wasn't like the greatest episode but I I I, I did like it and I, th- I think I appreciated what it was going for I thought it was you know nice nice and light and uh, it actually made me wonder it made me think about like I don't know if I know if when if you know the switch from cribs to beds is that a common parenting problem is your kids just be realizing they can get out of their bed whenever they want to and i don't know i don't i don't have kids yet so i wonder if that will be a problem i wonder if that was a problem for me i wonder if i did in fact i think i did do that quite a bit when i wasn't in a crib anymore so um yeah it's just i i i, I liked it okay i, I thought it, i thought it was fine pretty good yeah, I, I liked it as well. I, I, I definitely think it doesn't quite, once again, reach that high point of that opening. Like I said before, I think that's a top three Arthur opening of all time for me. I really did love it. But I always like, I, I think it's interesting when they utilize DW as sort of the voice of reason as the older character, which is a role we're not used to her being in. Um, and I think that's something fresh and dynamic that we haven't seen before. You know, we're so used to DW being talked down to. It's nice to see her. It's fun when she was like, you think of some of those classic DW episodes, like the one where she's reading to the Tibbles, right? And it kind of changes the dynamic. Um, I think this episode is similar in that, you know, DW kind of being the teacher is is an interesting light to see her in. Um, yeah. And I also liked the way it portrayed kind of you know, sneaking around at night. I thought that was very accurate as well. So it's, it's not necessarily like a big standout episode, definitely a standout opening, but I thought it was a very positive watch. 
I think that's also a minor trope of Arthur episodes that I really like is when is when the characters sneak around at night. <laughs> yeah, I like you like st- you like when Arthur's episodes go. It's like Bravo Six, we're going dark, and <laughs> well, they you know you think about it, they've actually done that quite a lot. So it's they they like to go back to that well, and it's fun. I like. I like kind of the sneaking around at night. It might be a, a little low stakes, but it's also like just enough for I'm like, ooh, I hope they don't get caught. Uh, another thing is that it's nice to see a time period, I, as much as it kind of didn't stick the landing or canonically make sense, it's nice to see a time period and Arthur not represent, like this is a, this is a time in the Arthur canon we have literally never seen before. Like yeah. post, Post glasses, pre Kate is like a completely unexplored band. I really have been reading too much of the Star Wars expanded universe. <laughs> it's like we don't need to see everything. I guess it's like if if Arthur had the same logic of the Star Wars expanded universe, there would literally be like a novel for every little background element in Arthur's bedroom. Uh, that being said, I thought this was fun. Well, there you have it, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. You know, I'm looking at the episodes right now. Lucas, we're getting close to the end of season eight. This we're getting close to the end of my initial run with Arthur. I can't believe it. I, I, you know, sometimes we do episodes for a few weeks, and then I look back. I'm like, how did we get this far? We're almost done. So it's a weird season. Weird season, Arthur. Season eight was weird. Is weird is the word. I we we've had weird weird other weird seasons before, but it's like, uh, I'm really gonna have to examine my feelings on this. In a few weeks from now, when we do our season wrap up, but it's not—it's not happening yet. We've still got a couple more episodes left to go. So, Lucas, the next time you and me will be commiserating here for Elwood City Limits, we'll be talking about the the stories "Flee to Be You and Me" and "Kiss and Tell." Oh my goodness, scandalous! Mm, yeah, not since Timothy to... Oliphant and that other girl <laughs> were kissing on that boat. Very descriptive. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what either of these are. Like, I have no memory of either of these. So we're gonna have to just wait and find out. So Lucas, uh, next time I'll report back with uh, my findings from IKEA. As long as I don't get lost in. Yeah, there. don't get lost in IKEA. You know, don't get trampled in some sort of Black Friday sale. Even though you're gonna be there on Sunday. Uh, and next time it's gonna be. You know, it, the countdown is on, Will. It's almost, oh, it's yeah. the holidays. Let me just look at the calendar here real quick on our, you know, the schedule that we've been doing. I think we should be able to finish up season eight before 2020. <laughs> Good. Thank goodness. Then we can start... We can start a new year. It's going to be a new year, new us, and new Arthur that we've never seen before. New decade. Yeah. This, that sounds like a great way to start the year off. So hopefully you guys will come along for the journey with us. Continue on with us as we uh, roll on here with Arthur. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... I still don't like this whole bad idea. <laughs> we'll see you next time. I also could have said, uh, oh, I should have said the show that dares to go where no one else will behind bars <laughs> for, for the dang baby cribs was amazing. I feel like we didn't talk enough about how, what a revelation baby cribs was. <laughs>